Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, I don't know, Gavin. Why, why does it even matter what you call people who correct everyone's grammar on the internet anymore? Got more important things to focus on. The following podcast contains... Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me? Stop cussing. This ain't deaf comedy jam. Yeah, I don't like you using foul language. No guns, no foul language, no red meat. And then we heard him saying all these mean things about Jews and using tons of foul language. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you took a one-sided question and gave it many sides, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Thursday, August 17th, 2017, White Like Me edition of the show, where we talk about our modern, peculiar institution. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Simon and Edna Cliff Nazi Removal. Is your town plagued by Nazis, Klansmen, white supremacists, Keck worshippers, and alt-right peppy lovers, or even Bannonite Republicans? Call Simon and Edna Cliff Nazi Removal. These two no-nonsense, take-no-prisoners Nazi removers have a patented Nazi-be-gone system guaranteed to rid you of your Nazi infestation in 30 days or you pay nothing. Simon and Edna have been removing Nazis for 63 years, and they know exactly how to make a Nazi go away. Trust us, the system is not cruelty-free. What do you think that Nazis got the fuck out of Skokie, Illinois? When Nazis come to your town, call Simon and Edna Cliff Nazi removal and watch them disappear. Use the promo code FUCKJEFFSESSIONS at checkout and get 20% off your next Nazi removal. We're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I sure as hell didn't come down from the goddamn Smoky Mountains, cross 5,000 miles of water, fight my way through half of Sicily, and jump out of a fucking aeroplane to teach the Nazis lessons in humanity. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They're the foot soldiers of a Jew-hating, mass-murdering maniac, and they need to be destroyed. That's why any and every some bitch we find wearing a Nazi uniform, they're gonna die. When I was a boy, we played war. Because it was the 70s and war was fucking cool. Now, in war, there were not many sides. There were two. There was Americans, and there was Nazis. By definition, Americans were the good guys, the big fucking heroes. Ergo, the Nazis were, by definition, the bad guys, the villains, and the Nazis always lost. But the problem with war needing only two sides was that no one ever wanted to be the Nazis because... Nothing changes. Fucking Nazis. Therefore, you always had a dozen Americans, and the one kid everyone hated... He was always the Nazi. You know, the fat, slow, kind of stupid kid that got picked on a lot. You remember him, right? You might have been him. He, we forced to be the Nazis because he sucked and so did Nazis. I think about that a lot, particularly when I see baby boomer and Gen X Nazis out there. Fat, slow, kind of stupid. And I wonder if somehow 
I'm responsible. Sometime in the 1990s, based on the generational demographic I'm seeing, one of two things must have happened. Either kids stopped playing war, or more likely the enemy in the game changed. The bad guy stopped being a Caucasian monster who wanted to dominate the world and rid it of Jews, and became a swarthy, turban-wearing Middle Eastern monster who still wanted to get rid of the Jews. That's not fair. I know, haven't these people been through enough shit already? I'm not sure how millennial kids divvied up the bad guy duties when they played war. I'm just assuming the darkest skinned kid came up on the short end of the stick just like an adult life. The practical upshot of this apparently is it's okay to be a fucking Nazi now. I mean, these fuckers are everywhere. Don't get me wrong, there's always been Nazis in America for, so, for as long as there's been Nazis in the world, but it used to be something people were ashamed of. Now these fuckers are all standing in rows wearing identical white polos and khakis like the master race is the fucking assistant manager at a Hobby Lobby or something. Which, when I think about it, he, he probably actually is. Last weekend, the Nazis came out of the woodwork to Charlottesville, Virginia, home of the University of Virginia, and a big-ass statue of hashtag failed General Sad, Robert E. Lee. Organized by a fella by the name of Jason Kessler, a neo-confederate white nationalist and possessor of a micropenis. I think I read that in the Wall Street Journal, or it could just be a scurrilous rumor that I just made up. Kessler's gathering of the Duchelos was called Unite the Right and was intended to be a gathering of those special Americans who feel desperately ass-hurt by not owning blacks or gassing Jews like they were promised with this new presidential administration. You promised. Unfortunately for all decent human beings, the First Amendment specifically allows for tiny dicked virgins and men who haven't seen their penises since the latter half of the Reagan administration to gather in public and spew vile racist hate. Fortunately for Americans, it also allows a decent human being to gather at the same time and place and mock the aforementioned racist motherfuckers for their hideous views and their flagging manhood. That looks like a penis, only smaller. Now, I come to the part of the story where the dick jokes have to stop because after the flaccid response, well, you can't just stop dick jokes, you have to taper off. The flaccid response of the local police, who, if this were a Black Lives Matter protest, would have flown cops in from as far away as Birmingham, Alabama, where they know how to handle a demonstration, folks, if you know what I'm saying, to keep things from getting out of hand with armed personnel characters, snipers, grenade launchers, and riot gear straight out of Judge Dredd. I am the law! They instead just stood on the sidelines while fighting broke out between the Nazis and the anti-fascist counter-protesters. Random African-American protesters were beaten by Nazis because, you know, they were there, who, for some reason, the Nazis, were allowed to bring shields and sticks to the demonstration. Once the rally was broken up over the escalating tensions, a Nazi drove a car into a crowd, killing 32-year-old Heather Heyer and injuring 19 other innocent people. Not caused by, but because of the rally, two Virginia state police officers died in a helicopter crash while monitoring the situation. All of this happened because for some reason, we've suddenly made it okay to be a fucking Nazi or a Klansman or for armed right-wing militias to show up wearing camo and body armor like they were about to take a turn through Kabul. It's now okay to be simply the kind of fucking dick, sis, that openly spouts racist ideology in public without any fear of being castigated, ostracized, or exiled from society like it was for the past 50 plus years. 
Fuck me. Even before that, the clan had the decency to put a hood over their puffy, sweaty faces before they lit the cross. Nowadays, some kids with a weird haircut ask to borrow a match from the black family before lighting the cross on their yard. I'm awfully sorry. This is incredibly embarrassing. Do you happen to have any matches? Oh, thanks so much. We are so red-faced over here. Now get the fuck out of our town, Negroes. Except, you know... He didn't say Negro. What the fucking hell happened here? I mean, we've always had these assholes, but we tried to keep them hidden from everyone else like we used to keep our ugly kids away from the annual class photo day. Who made this okay? I I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm sure Senator McCain must know what he's talking about. Uh, But when you say the alt-right... Uh, define alt-right to me. You define it. Go ahead. Well, I'm saying, no, define it for me. Come on, let's go. Define Senator it McCain defined them as the same group. Okay, what about the alt-left that came charging at Excuse me. What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? This is Let me ask you this. What about the fact they came charging, that they came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs? Do they have any problem? I think they do. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that was a horrible, horrible day. Wait a minute. I'm not finished. I'm not finished, fake news. That was a horrible day. I will tell you something. I watched those very closely, much more closely than you people watched it. And you have, uh, you, you had a group on one side that was bad, and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And nobody wants to say that, but I'll say it right now. You had a group, you had a group on the other side that came charging in without a permit, and they were very, very violent. Do you think that the, what you call the alt-left is the same as neo-Nazis? I, oh, those people, all of those people, excuse me, I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many different groups. But not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. Those people were also there because they wanted to protest the taking down of a statue, Robert E. Lee. So, excuse me, and you take a look at some of the groups and you see, and you know it if you were honest reporters, which in many cases you're not, but many of those people were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. So. This week it's Robert E. Lee. I noticed that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? But they- Yeah, that fucking guy. But this show isn't about that guy. It's about you, my fellow white people. We got to talk about this. And, you know, we're not just going to talk about the bad guys. We're going to talk about the good guys. You know, the good ones. The white people who are, quote, not racist, unquote, and are appalled at the idea that anything or anyone like Charlottesville could ever happen. This will be part one of the show. Let me start with this. It's not the job of black people to help us get through this moment. I know that a lot of you are reaching out there to your one or two black friends wanting to commiserate, asking how they're feeling, and wanting them to tell you how you should be feeling right now. 
White people seem to think telling black folks they feel awful about what is happening and how they stayed up all night crying like that's something that is supposed to help. Motherfuckers, do you think black people didn't stay up all night crying as well? Do you think that black people might have enough emotional shit to deal with without you dumping your emotional shit on them as well? How much are they supposed to bear? You want to tell your black friends that you support them and you care about their lives? Just say that and shut the fuck up. If your black friend wants to talk to you about it, they will. Do not make the choice for them, all right? The next and far more common reaction is, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. This universal reaction that white people seem to share instantly and without thinking about it. Well, this isn't the country that I grew up in. I've got some bad news. This really is the country you grew up in. You were just too busy being white to notice. And I know you thought we'd fixed all that nasty business back in the 60s. But really, it's always been there, even when Obama was president. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you saw the birthers saying bad things, and you rolled your eyes when the bad people were on Fox News. But they were just talking. You watched Trayvon Martin get killed for being black in the dark. You saw what went down in Ferguson or Tamir Rice being killed for being a scary black with a BB gun or Sandra Bland being tossed in a cell in Texas to die. You might have even marched in a Black Lives Matter protest because you thought, well, these cops are bad, but they're an exception, not the rule. Meanwhile, black people in America were trying to tell you this is our America and you nodded and went back to watching Game of Thrones. I get it. No one likes to think about the termites in the foundation. So long as you don't see them and the house isn't falling down, things are going to be just fine. Well, now the house is falling down, the termite-in-chief has thrown open the doors, and you're saying to yourself, oh my God, where did these come from? I'm here to tell you, they were always here. Now, normally in the show, this is where I would do a way back. Talking about the history of white nationalism in America or the KKK to the, Ar to the Aryan nations, from slavery to Jim Crow, from Timothy McVeigh to James Alex Field, all of the legacy and hate that thrives through our history, but not tonight. Tonight, we talk about the now. We talk about the us. Because my dear white people, we are the problem. All of us. You. Me. Our mom. Mark in accounting. Sarah in the cube next to you. Jane, the waitress at the, at the bar you like. We need to address something in all of us that allows hate to fester like half a burrito you dropped on the subway tracks. We need to talk white person to white person because we got some shit to figure out. It's going to get uncomfortable, so have a seat and let this get out and let me get this out of the way. Because I'm going to start with me because I too am a white person. I am an East Coast, big city dwelling, well-educated progressive with a nice job who advocates for the causes of equality in all people. I live in a booming multicultural city in a neighborhood that is predominantly Latino and African American. I never use a racial slur. I shop at minority-owned businesses wherever I can. I am the poster boy for the white liberal class the right wing loves to hang up and laugh at. And I am a racist. Down deep inside where my id lives, I'm sublimely convinced that I somehow am better than non-white people. 
My mind tosses out thoughts whenever I see a black teenager with baggy pants and dreadlocks get on the train, or I walk down the street in the middle of the afternoon on a weekday and pass a group of Latino men in their 20s standing around, wonder, standing around the corner wondering why they aren't at work. When I see a black woman with three kids all under five, my brain trots out all sorts of ideas about what kind of person she is. When I stand online in my local grocery store and see a young black woman on the latest version of the iPhone paying for groceries with a WIC check, my mind goes indignant and honest to fucking God, the phrase, my tax dollars, boils up from the pits of hell that is the racist inner me. I listen to my African-American neighbors scream at their autistic child and think, these are the worst people in the world. And I know that if my neighbors were white, that thought would be radically different. All my close friends, people I turn to every day, they're white. Not a single person of color among them. And if I would never use a racist term in the context of saying racist things, the thoughts those words convey happen every day day. The difference between me and the white polo shirt khaki parents wearing neo-Nazi is but a matter of infinitesimal degrees. Those were some of the hardest 200 and some odd words I've ever had to say. And I kind of hate myself right now. But if any white person over the age of 15 tells me that you've not had the exact same thoughts, I will tell you You're a fucking liar. Now, right now, some of you are really angry at me. You're angry because I said something true that goes against how you see yourself. Some of you are angry. I'm willing to bet that most of you are angry because I'm calling out white racism and not mentioning black race, black, Latino, Asian, Native American, whatever the fuck racism too. Of course, they are racist. All human beings in their hearts are evil racist fucks. The difference between their racism and our racism is our racism gets shit done and on an international scale. If your Uber driver is rude to you because he don't like white people, you will not have Uber drivers decline you because of your name. If your boss doesn't approve your vacation because they're just pissed off at honkies, you will get another job. All the other white people will still get jobs. If you got passed over for promotion for a Latino woman with less time in your company because of affirmative action, you and all the other white people will still get promoted, still get raises, and still get better jobs, still get a home loan, still be able to call the police without fear they will kill you, still be able to send your kids to a better school, still be able to vote, still be able to turn on the television and see people who look and talk like you everywhere. But when white people are racist, we can take all of that away. So yeah, you know what? Black people are racist too. But just like with everything else in America, even their racism isn't even close to equal with white people. What white people can't seem to understand is that this is the baseline for minorities in America. This is their day-to-day life. No white person asks to be racist. At least not many white people ask to be racist. No white person work to achieve being racist. Though a few did, 
Most, for most of us, racism was handed down to us as a family fucking heirloom through the generations. White racism is the shitty grandfather clock that ticks too loud and scares the shit out of your kids in the middle of the night with that god-awful chime, but you can't get rid of it. I mean, it's been in our family since it came over on the Mayflower, even though the clock was made in Mexico and bought in fucking Macy's in 1956 on credit. No one wants the clock, no one likes the clock, but no one can seem to get rid of it because it's all always been there and we white people want to fucking act like we're not racist fuckwads we want to pretend as if we've never had an impure thought in our lives and that is why these fucking nazi clan motherfuckers exist we turn a blind eye to them because it reminds us how shitty we truly are we can't get to post-racial america until we admit that we live in racial america so i'm saying it loud and clear i am dave bledsoe and i am a racist because when I say this, I can address the behavior and the thoughts that stem from being a racist. When I see a young black woman paying for groceries with a WIC check, I can contextualize what I'm seeing by asking myself, do I actually know anything about this woman or I'm making assumptions based on my own biases? That's all it takes. Boom. Bad thought goes back down into my id. It's not magic. It's just self-awareness. I have two choices. I accept that I'm the product of generations of white people being at the top of the social structures in America, that the culture of my youth was segregated even though Jim Crow was officially over. I can acknowledge that I'm privileged by the color of my skin to never truly experience the world the way any minority does. Or I can live in a sheltered little bubble and lend my blessing to racism by my ignorance and silence. You face the shame choice, fellow white people. Admit what you are, even if it's just to yourself. You don't have to do a podcast where you admit the fucking darkest secret, your secret shame. You don't have to do that. You don't have to shame yourself before an audience of tens of people like I just did. Just say it silently to yourself whenever one of these dark thoughts pop up. My name is, insert name here, and I am a racist. You will not feel better. In fact, you will pretty much fucking hate yourself, and you should. But at least you will know it's true. It's not a panacea for racism, but it's a fucking start. Now, for part two. The actual overt asshole racist in America. For all you white folks out there who are not secret racists, who not only own up to your inner id, but, you know, just roll around in it like a pig and shit. You know who you are. You got a big old stars and bars flying over your porch. You got some tattoos you think are Nordic, but are really just characters from a Thor comic book written by a Jew in 1953. You think Hitler was misunderstood. The number 88 has special meaning for you, and you can recite all the 14 words by heart. You know, a real don't-give-a-fuck racist. I'm betting none of you will ever hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I think it needs to be said. Right now, y'all are feeling pretty good. After all, you're winning, right? <laughs> Over the past few years, you've been able to come out of the shadows. You've got young, dynamic, well-groomed, well-spoken white guys advocating your cause to the masses. The old days when some fat, hairy, gap-toothed redneck holding the Confederate flag and shouting in barely comprehensible English are gone. Now you got Richard Spencer with his good suit, expensive haircut, and college-educated regiment speaking your case. You've made real inroads in rolling back decades of civil rights laws empowering minorities to vote in both the courts and your state houses where a pliant Republican Party has made your cause their own without that, you know, 
awful taint of racism. Somehow, you've taken over the ideas of equality and free speech and made it about you. That, that's fucking impressive. You've even managed to put one of you in the White House, who's openly about you. That's the first time in generations, not since Woodrow Wilson have you enjoyed that kind of power. So you're feeling really good right now. So let me tell you this to you. You don't get to win. <laughs> I hear you laughing. I do. You're laughing your ass off. What is this faggot white commie going to do about it, right? Some New York liberal with a shitty little podcast is telling us we don't get to live. That's funny as fuck, right? White nationalism is on the rise. You're on the precipice of taking back your country from people like me and the mud people. And there's nothing in me and my soft, weak friends and our fucking polluted blood allies can do to stop you. After all, you have political power and you've got the guns to back it up. It's funny, isn't it? Me telling you you don't get to win doesn't change the truth. You don't get to win. This is the end of the line for you. You're done here. We don't want you. We certainly don't fucking need you for anything. What you're experiencing right now is the rush of euphoria before you die. You know how in the movies, there's always that one guy that lives right up until the end and thinks he's the fucking hero, only to have his head fucking blown off right before the real hero arrives and ends the fight? Yeah, that's you right now. You don't get to win. Because time moves in one direction, you see. No one in history has ever succeeded in destroying a society by rolling it back to the past. You cannot create anything. You can only destroy it. But you will never undo what has been done. Even now, people are moving against you politically, culturally, economically, and socially. Your defect a flaw, a glitch, a fuck-up. You are an unwanted side effect. You will be corrected or you will be deleted. You will barely be a footnote when the history is written. You do not get to win. We can see you now for what you are. You've come out of the shadows, off the internet, into our world where we can identify you, share your names and faces. We can see you for what you really are. You're not a scary thing in the shadows any longer. You're a pasty white motherfucker in a polo shirt and a shitty haircut. You're a sad, pathetic, small little man that no one has ever listened to because they find you repulsive, ignorant, and annoying. You were insignificant before, now you're a dangerous annoyance, a plague-bearing mosquito buzzing around the face of the nation who wants you eradicated. And like that mosquito, we will first smack you down individually, and then we will pour oil on the stagnant pools where you breathe. You will be hounded from our streets, your websites will be shut down, your message boards crammed into obscurity, your rhetoric will be shouted down on the streets because you've tainted the political well sooner rather than later, your pliant party will turn against you and your fetid leaders who snuck into power through a fluke of electoral math. You will be marginalized into nothingness because you always were nothing, always pathetic and always disgusting. Because you thought you might win, you've guaranteed you will not get to win. <laughs> oh, and if you really, if you really want to go to war against us, if you think your precious guns will save you, will give you power, you'll find that no matter what, what you believe, there are more of us than there are of you, and we will fight you. Not all of us soft liberals are as soft as we appear. 
In fact, I think that you are the soft ones. You fucking hero veterans out there that were fucking supply clerks or payroll specialists or scrubbed the toilets on an aircraft carrier. I think 99.9% of you came no closer to combat than Call of Duty before you ever enlisted. Because if you really were in combat, you learn the first rule is that everyone there is your blood and your family and it doesn't fucking matter about anything else. I know this because I wore a uniform and served in the combat arms of the service and I remember how to fight an enemy of the United States. And I bet there are a lot of other people who served under arms who feel the same way. I saw them came out to come out to Standing Rock last year. So you should remember, we can buy guns just like you. And unlike, the, unlike you, the government taught us how to use them properly. Not that it's going to come to that. You've already gone too far. The government won't wait for another Timothy McVeigh to murder innocent children. Not even your soulmate Jeff in the Justice Department can protect you when the hammer falls. You don't get to win. You've already lost. You've no place here. No friends. And soon, you'll just be a memory. No one will mourn your passing. Even your families are disowning you. I don't want to make you see reason. I don't want to find common cause or make peace. I want you gone to the shit pile of history, along with all the other Nazis and Klansmen throughout the long march of American progress, just like the Confederate generals you ostensibly venerate. They did not get to win, and neither will you. That's it for this week's show. No big send-off, no giant joke at the end, because the joke is in the White House and all the little rat bastards that think that they're going to get something out of him being there. Rate and view the show on Apple Podcast. Follow the show at the Hell underscore podcast on Twitter, with the show name on Facebook. All the shows are on SoundCloud at the show name at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave Bledsoe, the conspicuously quiet producer Gavin, and all the other fictional persons on this show, you want to say... And it's been a long time coming, but we know a change is going to come. We'll see you all next week. up there beyond the sky it's been a long a long time coming i know but i know a change gonna come oh yes it will and then i go to my brother And I say, brother Help me please And he winds up Knocking me Back down on my knees Times that I thought I wouldn't last too long, but now I think I'm able, able to carry on. 
gonna change. Oh, it's gonna change. Oh, Seltzer Kings Podcasts.